we continue in our Twisted series, remember what we're doing. We're looking at those verses that uh, so easily uh, get, get twisted uh, and made into something that uh, they're not intended to speak, right? And today we look at uh, that verse that, just me, I think uh, this is like the verse. Right, that just gets twisted all the time. And it gets twisted not only inside the church, but it gets twisted especially outside uh, in culture. It's kind of that number one on my list of twisted uh, verses. So let's look at it. You're going to be familiar with it right away. It comes out of the Gospel of Matthew, the first, uh, the seventh chapter, the first verse. It says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Uh, now, culture most often uh, quotes this verse when, you know, we're, we're challenging them and witnessing them and encouraging them to, for life change. And, and uh, they just kind of throw this verse uh, right back at us. What's kind of interesting is when culture tends to quote this verse, though, uh, they quote it in Old English, which is kind of interesting, right? I mean, in Old English, how's the verse go? Judge not, lest ye be judged, <laughs> right? Isn't that kind of the way it goes? Isn't it kind of interesting that culture starts quoting Old English when they want to throw this one uh, in our face as kind of that barrier, right? I don't know, just me. I thought it's kind of fascinating, weird. Anyway, uh, they do, right? This is like that verse. And what's going on? When that happens, well, what's going on when that happens? When culture takes this verse and twists it and throws it in our face, they really throw in our face just the first few words of the verse, the first half of the verse, right? They say, ah, wait a minute. Do not judge, right? Do not judge others. You're not supposed to judge. Ah, right? So they just kind of lap off this first half of the verse and they say, Well, now, wait a minute, you're not supposed to judge. And what that really means is, I can do whatever I want. And you can have nothing to say about it. I I should be able to do whatever I think I ought to be able to do. And you really should have nothing to say about it. And they even throw the caveat in there and say, Listen, as long as no one's getting hurt according to my judgment that nobody's getting hurt, as long as nobody's getting hurt, well, what in the world should you have to say about it anyway? After all, you're not supposed to judge. What it means is it gives free license, free invitation for anybody fundamentally to do whatever they want according to, ironically, their own judgment. Do not judge. So what do we Christians do with this verse? How do we understand it? What is Jesus really trying to say? Well, uh, the irony is that in Matthew 7, down in verse 6, we get Jesus still talking. And when you look at it in light of verse 1, it becomes an interesting tension. Because in verse 6, Jesus says... Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They'll trample on the pearls and they'll turn and they'll attack you. Did you notice there's a little bit of judgment going on there? Right? I mean, there's a little bit of judgment going on there. Because right away he's saying, listen, you've got to judge who is holy and who is unholy. And not only does he go to say, you've got to judge and you've got to discern, you've got to identify the unholy, 
But look what he calls those unholy people. He calls them pigs. Jesus declares them unclean. That's his identity, the identity of the pig. He declares them unclean. He is making some radical judgments about those people, is he not? So how do we put this together? How do we take 7 verse 1, don't judge lest ye be judged, and put that together with the experience of verse 6 where Jesus himself is not only making but encouraging us to make judgments. Great tension, right? So let's dive into it. You ready to go? Let's dive in. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to follow our formula that we talked about last week in terms of understanding these kinds of verses in Scripture itself, right? So we're going to look at the context, and then we're going to spend some time looking at other Scripture, and then we're going to figure out, now, what does that have to really say about life? Because that's the formula, right? When you want to understand it, you've got to look at the context, you've got to look at other Scripture, and then you've got to say, now, what difference does this make? So let's look at context for a minute. This is coming out of the Gospel of Matthew. Um, it's in the seventh chapter, first verse of the seventh chapter. In chapter 5 of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus starts something called the Sermon on the Mount. Heard of that? Yeah, Sermon on the Mount, right? So what is he doing? Well, Jesus is up in Capernaum, and he is sitting on a gentle hillside, and all the folks who have been following him are gathered there, and they're listening to his teaching. So he's speaking primarily to those that he's already in relationship with, right? He's not out there necessarily witnessing to unbelievers. He's speaking to folks who want to learn more, want to grow. They're folks who have been following him, right? And so he's speaking to that entourage of people that have, that have followed him. And he's giving them just these ongoing snippets of teaching, right? And so that starts in Matthew 5. If you go into Matthew 6, the chapter right before us, as he's doing this teaching, he begins to teach by looking at the behavior of the Pharisees. And he repeatedly, in verse 2, verse 5, and verse 16, names that behavior and judges that behavior as hypocritical. And he's saying, listen, don't be like them, right? Don't do as the hypocrites do. Don't be like the hypocrites, right? Don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. So he's giving a list of don'ts. Don't, listen, this is hypocritical stuff. You Followers of Christ, this is not the way we do it. Right? That's what he's doing. Don't do this, don't do this, right? And in, in verse 21, he makes a transition from outward behavior, don't behave this way, to the inward experience of the heart. And so he says in verse 21, in a section talk teaching about possessions and not worrying about possessions, he says, wherever your treasure is, their desire of your heart will be also. So he transitions behavior, and he ties it to the experience of your heart. You with me so far? That's in chapter 6. Now let's ask the question, what comes after our chapter 7 verses 1 and onward, right? What comes after? Well, if you go into chapter 7 and you go a little further down, he keeps teaching and you get to the 12th verse, and in the 12th verse you get from Jesus a significant teaching. In this particular verse, is an interpretive verse that reflects backward to help us understand what he's really talking about in 7.1. 
In verse 12, he says, Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Heard that verse before? Yep, we even have a name for it, right? We call it the golden rule. You know it, good, yeah, the golden rule, right? We call it the golden rule, right? Well, see, that's kind of interesting, the golden rule. Well, what is it? Well, this is a major, this is a major teaching of understanding how faith life works. And the essence of the teaching is the essence of the law, and it's saying, listen, you need to understand this, that, that how, how you treat other people is what you can expect in terms of how people are going to treat you. That your heart attitude and your behavior towards other people has a significant impact in terms of how people will relate to you and how they will treat you. Okay? Golden rule. All right. Now, let's go back to chapter 7, verses 1 and onward. And let's look at verse 1, but also verse 2, and see if we can get some insight in light of everything, the context. You ready? Look again at verse 1, but look at the whole thing. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now, I helped you out there. Did you notice there's a particular word that occurs five times in that little section there? What's the word? You. Exactly. This may blow your mind. You ready for this? Are you aware that other people judge you? (laughs) Me? Innocent, wonderful me? Are you aware that other people judge you all the time? Your behavior, your heart attitude, how you treat them. In this verse, it's acknowledging that simple truth and teaching a Christ follower, if you follow Christ now, and saying, listen, you need to understand That is going to happen all the time in your life. Except judging happens. The question is, how do you want people to judge you? Because how you judge them will dictate how they judge you. Do you see that? It's the golden rule down here in verse 12, relegated up to verse number 1 within the context of the experience and the reality that we all have. We are judged by others, and we judge others. You see, the false concept of the culture is, ah, 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 you're not supposed to judge as if somehow we cannot do that, as if somehow we can turn that switch off and not. When in reality, that is part of the existence of the world. That both the world, people around us, judge us, and we judge others. It's not whether we will or whether we won't. We must. We need to. Jesus calls us to, later on in verse 6, yes, we do judge. The question is, how do you do that? Because how you do that, how you exercise judging, is vitally important 
to how people will experience you and how they will in turn judge you. Follow? That's good stuff, isn't it? That, I hope you wrote that down somewhere. That's insightful. You think about that. Let that dwell in you today. That is good stuff. All right. So we're going to go and do what Jesus did. Because in, in the 6, remember, he did a whole bunch of don'ts. Don't do as the hypocrites do. Don't do as the hypocrites do. Don't do as the hypocrites do. So there's some don'ts that Scripture gives us about the experience of exercising judgment discernment. Okay? Uh, and we can look at our next step and look at other Scripture and say, so what does other Scripture teach us then about this experience of, of judgment? So we can start out. First one is... In the attitude of your heart, you need to guard against an attitude that makes surface-based judgments, right? That you, that you make quick judgments that are just surface-based judgments. They're just a quick surface attitude kind of judgment, right? John says, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly, right? Surface-based judgment, we, they're, they're so easy. Right? They're so easy. We, we look and we make judgments based on appearances, right? We, we look and we make these quick surface judgments even about behaviors, right? So in, in my own life, in my own experience, man, there's been times where some folks, uh, Christ followers I'm walking with, have, have said some kind of critical things or, or uh, they, they said some things that are kind of hurtful, you know, back towards me. And, man, it would be easy for me to just kind of make a snap judgment on that and kind of put them in a category that makes me feel comfortable, right? When, in reality, what I've discovered is, well, if I just kind of let that be what it is for the time being, and I take some time to invest myself in them, most of the time I discover there's something else going on in their life. There's something else that's going on in their family or their marriage or their career. There's something just really deeper, more difficult going on in their life. And it expresses itself in that judgment kind of way. And I could get trapped, right? I could get trapped in just making a quick surface kind of judgment and just bolt it right back at them, right, and pigeonhole them. And that would be so wrong. That'd be so contrary to the call that Christ has on, on my life, right? So it's the call to not make these quick surface kind of judgments, but be willing to invest. Be willing to invest in those people that are around us. Number two, don't have a superior attitude, right? This is the experience Jesus was teaching about in sex, about this hypocritical kind of attitude, right? Uh, feeling like you're better. And we know this is so important for us as Christ followers because most of the time when culture, when a non-believer says to us, ah, ah, don't judge, what they're really saying is, hey, you're, you're really coming off as being judgmental, right? As superior to me, right? It's one of the biggest barriers uh, to our witness. And there's Matthew 7, uh, the verses 3 through 5, which come right after our verse, right? 1 and 2. Right? Jesus talks about that superior attitude. He says, listen, don't, don't, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? And what does he judge? Hypocrite. Right? Well, what's he challenging us with? 
When we approach people in the experience of judgment, we need to approach them in all humility, acknowledging our own brokenness. It's, it's not an attitude of, I got my life all together, and you're, man, you, you're messed up, but I got my life all together. No. It's understanding that we are just as broken as they are. And it's all over Scripture. You can look at Romans 12. Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Right? Reminding ourselves all the time that we need a Savior just like everybody else. We need Jesus to do what Jesus did just like everybody else. Else. And so we enter into these conversations not in superiority, but in all humility. Another one in Romans 2, right? You may think you can condemn such people, but you are what? Just as bad. You get it? When we enter into judgments, we don't do it with quick surface judgments. We invest in people, and we don't enter in there with a sense of superiority. We go in there knowing exactly how broken we are, right? And that they're, that they're no worse uh, than we are. We're no better than they are, okay? Another don't. Don't judge with a I am right attitude, an I am right attitude. What is an I am right attitude? Well, an I am right attitude uh, sets yourself up as the person who's able to have the standard and decide what the standard is by which that person ought to be judged, right? That, that you exercise judgment over that person, but you exercise that judgment in a way that you think this is the standard by which they ought to be measured. Let me give you an example. The standard would be, or an I am, my, I am right attitude standard would be something like, you know, People shouldn't come to Christ Church and worship in some of the clothes that they wear these days at Christ Church. I mean, that is just unacceptable and not God-glorifying. Really? Where's that in Scripture? Because that's the only standard. That's the only standard. The only standard that Christ followers have is the standard that God gives us. It's His standard that measures, not ours. So we can't add a level, see? We can't add a level of standard and say, well, I know, but really, this is... We can't add a level of standard. No, the truth is, listen, I don't care what you wear when you come in that door, I don't care about your clothes. I care about your heart. God doesn't care about whether you got coffee in your hand right now in a worship room. He cares about what is the attitude and the openness of your heart right now to the power of His Word and His grace and His truth. Amen, good? You see, that's it. But an I am right attitude adds a layer, right? It adds a layer, and it says, well, I'll decide what the standard and the measurement is. No. It's only one measurement. Only one measurement. And that's the measurement that Scripture gives us. That's it. And in case you don't know it, on your own, you don't meet that standard. 
but for grace, but for the cross of Jesus Christ. We need to know we can't add an I am right. You with me? There's all kinds of scripture about that. Here's the other one. This is a harder one for we Christ followers maybe, right? And it's right akin to what we were just talking about. And when we, when we think about the people in the world, it's really hard for us to understand. But we can't hold non-Christians to Christian standards. You get that? We, I, it shouldn't surprise us that non-Christians live in ways that are contrary to the standards of scripture. They, they, they don't know Jesus. Right? They haven't surrendered their heart and their life to say, yes, I'm a follower. I'm going to do it his way. Right? So it, we can't hold non-Christians to Christian standards because they don't know them, they don't understand it, and they don't know the person that gives you the power to live that way. So it would be ridiculous for us to hold them to those standards that aren't even their standards. You follow? No, the question for us then is when we relate to them, and that it's to get into their brokenness and be able to share our brokenness and be able to share what we know to be true from our own lives from that brokenness. To be able to say to them, there, wasn't, there was a time <laughs> my life was messed up too. But I know a God who loves you. I know a God who cares about you. I know a God who's willing to get into your life. And I know a God who can make your life better. Right? I don't want to introduce them to a set of standards. What I want to do is I want to introduce them to a God who loves them and can grow them to a better life. So I don't hold them, non-Christians, to Christian standards. I focus more on what? Just introducing them to the God that can elevate their life and forgive them just as He forgave me for all those faults and all those failures. You get it in 1 Corinthians 5. It says, it isn't my responsibility to do what? Judge outsiders. That not, I can't hold them to Christian standards. Can't do that. Right? Akin to that is the next one. This is the do. We've done a lot of don'ts, right? This is the do. Inside the community of faith, inside the family of faith, as Christ followers together, there is a do. Notice the second half of that same verse, verse 12. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. This is really important. Because as we've talked about all the don'ts, well, we have to understand that inside the faith family, sin is still sin. And we have to name it that. Sin living contrary to God's standards, is still sin. And we have to be able to name it that, acknowledge that, understand that, and we have to be able to share that with our brothers and sisters in Christ who are walking away from following Jesus, right? By, by their behavior or their attitudes of their heart. Sin is still sin. The question is, how do we do that? How do we enter into a brother or sister's life and share that? The answer is, dear brothers, sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should do what? Should, say it with me, gently and humbly. Wow. 
Remember all the don'ts, not superiority, not I got it together and you're really messed up, you, right? No, gently and humbly, out of our own brokenness, we sit down with brothers and sisters in Christ and we share with them our concern and our compassion. And we name the sin. We hold to the standard. We name the brokenness. And we invest and offer to support them and help them to get back right, to know forgiveness and grace. It's really captured in John 1.14. It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of what? Full of grace and truth. You see that? You notice how those are put together? Grace and truth. You see, a non-compassionate judgment steps in and says, let me tell you the truth. No grace. Grace alone says, you know, God loves you. It really doesn't matter. You know, God loves you anyway, just the way you are. No, grace and truth. Grace and truth. I love grace comes first, by the way, but it's grace and truth. Truth, right? He says it again in, in a couple of verses. The law, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We don't pound the law with our brothers and sisters. What do we do? We talk to them in grace and truth. Grace and truth. So how do we wrap all this up? What do we do with this? Well, here's the real big thing of uh, this twisted verse that we've been talking about, you know, judge not lest ye be judged, is really not about judging. It's really not about judging. It's about the measure. It's about, remember, five times you. It's about what is the attitude of your heart and what is the measure that you've been using to exercise discernment and judgment. Because whatever that is, whatever that is, that is the attitude and the measure, Scripture says, by which others are going to judge you. So as we wrap it up today, I want to just pause, and I think that's really the question of the verse. Pause today. Take just a minute for you to think about, you know, usually I give you like four questions or whatever to take home. Today I just want you to think about it right now on the spot. Just think about it right now on the spot. What is it? What, what's the measure? What's the measure that you hold other people to that you can expect them to hold you to? What's the attitude with which you treat other people and judge them that you expect them to judge you with? Let's just take a minute. Lord, we pray that you've really spoken to our heart today and that uh, 
you've opened our eyes today to see that uh, yeah, we do get judged and we'll stand before you on the last day in judgment and yet uh, we know it's about grace and truth because the truth is none of us measure up we're all broken we all have our faults and our failures and Lord we, we just want to relate to others, live out of that truth as we speak grace into other people's lives. We pray that uh, you would help us to have the right attitude in our heart and use the measurement of Scripture alone. That you'd guide us into other people's lives that we can speak uh, in humility and compassion, tenderness, and yet, Lord, holding to the truth, holding to the truth, being able to speak the hard words if they're hard to speak them, uh, wrapped up in the kind of love that you have for each one of us. And Lord, most of all, we want to thank you that when you could judge us and we would fall way short, you choose to look at us through Jesus. And forgive us. So thank you, Father. And let us live out of that forgiveness as we relate to others. Give us every opportunity to speak grace and truth. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.